0: Good morning family, my name is Lily and I'll be doing the Bible reading for us today, which is taken from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree, planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Church at Home. Um, Today I'm going to look at a a word that's very common in our church. It's a big word It's a word called blessing. Now, I want you for a moment to stop um, and to think a little bit about what this uh, word blessing brings to your mind. Maybe you are thinking of a person and you think that person is really blessed Maybe you are thinking of a group of people uh, Maybe like an NGO and you say these, this group of people, they are really blessing society Now so, so um, social media uh, uses this word quite a lot, especially in the Christian circles. And um, I would venture to say that before the virus, they used it a little bit more than now the virus is here. But what does social media say about blessing? What's their view in your mind about the post you read about blessing? What does this blessed life look like? Uh, if you're like me and you cannot imagine a lot of things, maybe a song comes up in your mind. I heard this song about 10 years ago and it's stuck in my mind ever since. It's a song about, uh, from Joyous Celebration called My God is So Good Oh. I don't know if you know that song, Everything is Double Double. Yes, that song. Probably not the best word, best song to go to, but yes, that's the song that comes into my mind when I think about blessing. So, um, seeing that we have this song in your mind and you guys all have this wonderful song playing in the back of your mind, I thought it was a good place for us to go. Uh, To go to the Psalms of the Bible, which is called the Psalms. Now, when you look at the Psalms, you probably will not find the definition or the picture in your mind of what blessing is. But let's look at Psalm 1 and see what Psalm 1 teaches us about what the blessed life looks like. Now, one of the commentators speaks about Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, the introduction Psalms to the Psalms, as this beautiful Work of art, that door that leads us into the Psalms. If you look at this work of art, you'd be surprised about what it, how it starts. Psalm one starts with the blessed man. Uh, Psalm two ends with the blessed man. Now this is Hebrew poetry in action. It's a bracket on this side and a bracket on this side. Talking about blessing, and it says Hebrew poetry tells us whatever is written in the middle here will teach us about what these two things are, or this 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 theme is, which is blessing. It will unpack for us what blessing is. So this blessed man in verse one is unpacked between these two brackets. Now this blessed man, just for for us this morning, is the male and female. It's a blessed person. It's not just a man. And I must say when I Looked at someone for the first time, or when I studied someone, it took my picture of blessing and blew it out of the water. The first thing that someone showed me about the blessed man was that the blessed man is a man under pressure. Let's have a look there at verse 1. If you have your Bibles in front of you, it would be good to open it now. Um, the blessed man is a man under pressure. Let me read for us Psalm 1, verse 1 again. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The one thing you must mention about the song that comes up about this blessed man is that he's a man under pressure. He's under pressure to make a choice. The choice is between the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Three words describe for us the way this life describes this way of life. They are walking, they are sitting, and they are standing. Those are three common words we use every day to describe everyday life. So the way we walk, or we are called to walk, the talk. So these three words describe to us that this pressure comes every day. Now, that is not strange for us as Christians. Every day as Christians, we feel this pressure from the world pushing in on us, forcing us, Trying to make us follow their way of life. Now, these three words used about this way of the right, of the wicked, is the wicked, the sinner, and the scoffer. Those are not three different groups of people. They are one group. And uh, we'll see how that describes, how, how they are described. So let's look at the wicked. Let's start with the wicked. The wicked are those who turn their back on God. They turn their back on God's word, and they've decided to live life their own way. They follow their own value systems. It's a worldview that is opposite to the biblical worldview. Today, we would find, we would describe that worldview as a secular worldview. And for the most part, that secular worldview is everywhere, and it goes unchallenged. For instance, if you're a Christian, and you phone into a radio station, and you Maybe felt the need to explain to them what the Bible's view of marriage is or gender is or sex is You know what would happen to you. There would be real pressure on you to conform or to walk in their counsel and not in the biblical counsel There would be real pleasure to believe what they believe and not what the Bible teaches us So that's the way of the wicked. It's more of a world view the sinner Describes a little bit for us about how that worldview works out or the actions we take. It's moral, ethical actions that flow from that worldview. The sinner sets apart God's standard for right and wrong and he follows his own standard. Now, that is not new. Genesis chapter three tells us that Adam and Eve decided not to listen to God, to follow his, his worldview. And they followed their own worldview and then what happened? They ate from the apple, which they were told not to eat So to stand in the way of sinner is to act like them to stand like them to walk like them Sin is our actions Jesus says that you will know them by their fruit the fruit we bear shows our hearts now the pressure to Act like the world is out there and just one little example. I found or what's quite struck me was in our corruption cases in South Africa The person that got the most flak was the whistleblower the guy who did the right thing his pressure was severe so The sinner Sin starts in our heart. It comes from what we believe and it overflows into our actions and there's a real pressure from the world To believe what they believe and to act like they want us to act. The last one is the scoffer. Now, it's not a big leap of logic to have a worldview that leads to actions. And then if you and I come and we challenge that actions or that worldview for them to scoff at us. Or to be scoffed at or to be called names like bigots or fanatics or even fundamentalists. To sit with the scoffer is to join in them in mocking and scoffing at those who believe that. So the way of the right, the way of the wicked in most part in our world is everywhere and it's unchallenged. And in fact, it's actually celebrated. There's certain lifestyles in our world today that people wear as badges of honor. They even make symbols to honor them and to show this is who we are. And as if you view when you and I as a Christian stand up against that, the pain is real, the oppression is real. The word the Bible uses for that is persecution. And it's the one thing Jesus promises us that will come. Martin goes to the UK every now and again. And when he comes back, he always reminds us about how godless and how persecuted the Christians are in the UK. So the blessed man is a persecuted man. We know that because Jesus was persecuted and then his disciples, his apostles, after in Acts, after his resurrection, when they go out and preach the gospel, what happens to them? They are flogged. And then we read that amazing statement where they go home and they rejoice, not because they are flogged, but because they were persecuted for Jesus' sake. So right there in the beginning, the image of of, of blessing that we had in our mind, all of a sudden, that is blown out of the water. Did you have the picture of a person being called names, bigot, deluded, fanatical? Did you have a piece of person in mind that uh, their faith was challenged? No. The blessed man is a person who's under pressure and under pressure to follow the ways of the world. That's the first one. The blessed man is under pressure. And this pressure is so real and so irresistible. It's like swimming up a current or a river or the rip current of the sea. It's like trying to swim against that current. But will you notice that the blessed man actually does that? If you look there in verse 1, the blessed man says, No, he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor does he stand in the way of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers. This blessed man stands against those the way of the wicked. He says no. Now, fundamental to repentance or the foundation of repentance is saying no. When we walk our way or the way of the wicked, we say no to that way. We turn around and we walk God's way. That's repentance, isn't it? Now, this way of the wicked isn't just out there. The pressure doesn't just come out from out there, from those people. No, that pressure is actually coming from our own hearts. Genesis chapter 3 tells us that sin came into our own hearts. Our hearts were broken. We rebelled against God. Royden so wonderfully showed us on Good Friday that the way of the wicked has two faces. It's the parable of the sower. It's the uh, it's a parable of the prodigal son. It's the youngest son who openly rebels when he finds himself there at the pit or the, or the pigsty. He repents. But then the other face is the older brother. The older brother, the good guy, he also needs to repent from his own self-righteousness. Now, the older brother, that's me. Before I became a Christian, I thought I was good enough for heaven. This one phrase shocked me to my core. And that was when the minister said, heaven is not for good people. Heaven is for sinners that's been forgiven. That shocked me to the core because the pressure was on my own heart to realize that my own goodness isn't good enough. I needed to say no. I needed to repent. I needed to believe the essence of um, repentance. Stop walking my own way and believe and walk God's way. So the blessed man says no, because when the pressure comes out from outside, and especially the pressure comes from inside, he, has, he says no and he walks the other way repents. Now, That is definitely not the picture I had in my mind about the Blessed Man. No, my my, my picture was more along the lines of that Psalm. The last point I want to point us out to, or the last thing I want to show us from Psalm 1 about the Blessed Man, and this is key for us to understand Psalm 1, is that this Blessed Man is a changed man. Under the severe pressure From the world and from himself, he says no. The question is, how did it happen? How did he turn from a man shaking his fist at God, to a man kneeling before Jesus, following Jesus? Another way that the psalm asks this question, or we can look at the psalm and answer this question, is to look at what is the opposite to the way of the wicked. Now, instinctively, you would read the psalm, you think the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. So the opposite of the way of the wicked must be the way of the righteous. But that is not what verse 2 tells us. If the opposite of the way of the wicked is the way of the righteous, well, then we just swap one human way for another human way. Paul and Corinthians say, uh, we don't follow Paul, we don't follow Apollos, we actually Follow Jesus. So the opposite in there in verse 2 isn't the way of the righteous, but it's look at it, it's delighting in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So the key to this changed man is the way he treats his Bible. The strength to say no. To this irresistible pressure from the world and from himself is to read his Bible. That sounds so simple. It sounds so not powerful, but it's not. It's extremely powerful. Let's, let's have a look. Let's, let's dig into that. So, the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. He comes to the Bible expecting it to feed him, expecting him to give him this food that he needs to say no. We delight In the Bible, we delight in the law of the Lord because that is exactly what it does. It changes us. It feeds us the food that enables us to say no. Yet Christ has made, and we have a philosophy Or it always tells us that change happens in you and in me when God's word is opened in the power of the Holy Spirit. It converts us and it grows us. So what is this food that the Bible gives us? What is the Bible about? Well, we've just finished Easter where we realize that the climax to Easter is our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. The Old Testament points us to the cross, teaches us about what he is like, who who our Messiah is going to be like, what he's going to come to do. The Lamb of God. For instance, the New Testament points us back and explains to us about what happened on the cross the apostles tells us this is why Jesus had to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins So when you and I Feed on God's word when we delight in God's word the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is what we get We delight in it because it changes us We are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are growing we grow to repent and believe by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are truly blessed. What about the meditation? Meditating day and night on the law of the Lord. Now meditating is not just clearing your mind. Meditating is actually filling your mind. So the idea I got is from the animal kingdom. A cow or, a, or an animal or a kudu eats whatever he eats, the grass, he chews on it, he feeds on it, and then he lies down and then he brings it back up again. He chews the cake. And he feeds on it some more. And he gets some more food from it. So when we meditate on the law of the Lord, it's God's word. We chew on it. We delight in it. We eat it. And then later on, when the pressure comes, maybe when temptation comes, we bring it back up again. And we chew on it some more. And we get some more food from it. This is the idea of growing. We grow In times of temptation, we say no because the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit helps us to repent and believe. We are changed. Now, there's a simple song we teach our little kids that helps them to understand what blessing is. It's a song. Read your Bible and pray every day and you will grow, grow, grow. Don't read your Bible and not pray every day and you will shrink, shrink, shrink. When we delight and meditate on the law of the Lord, when we delight on Jesus and his word, we will grow, grow, grow. Why? Because the Holy Spirit applies that word to our lives. The blessed life is delighting and meditating daily on the law of the Lord, on the Bible, on Jesus and his word. It changes us, converts us. We are born again. We grow. We grow. We get the feet to stand under temptation. We get the food to say no, and this food is the gospel. So the change that happens in you and me when we become a Christian from shaking our fist at God to bowing our knee and following him is captured by Jesus so beautifully in Mark chapter 8. Let me read it for you. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus says the blessed life, the Christian life, is one of denying yourself, picking up your cross and following me. And isn't that someone? Denying yourself, saying no to the pressure of the world, picking up your cross, isn't that the pressure of the world, coming all this pain, coming your way, being ready for it? Ready to maybe be persecuted? Picking up your cross. And we do this because we have been changed from following the world to following Jesus. We are born again. This is the key to Psalm 1. The key to the blessed life is what you do with Jesus and his word. That's the key. So, let's finally stop and look at the two Destination. So what these two lives look like. There's two pictures in someone that it gives us. The way of the wicked there in verse four is described as like chaff that the wind just blows away. The psalmist is almost dismissive of the wicked and its ways because it's unstable. It's unprofitable. It's not vital. It's not useful for anyone. But don't be deceived, the way of the wicked looks good. Jesus again in Mark chapter 8, just two verses later, tells us that what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul. The whole world, the way of the wicked, you may gain the whole world. It looks good, but you might lose your soul. So, this present day way of the wicked might look good, but the psalmist just dismisses it because it's got no foundation. Have a look there in verse 5 and verse 6. When Jesus comes on the day of judgment and he challenges that foundation, what is that foundation? The way of the wicked? Well, it's a foundation where you don't exist, Jesus. And all of a sudden, You are face to face with somebody you don't believe ever existed. You never, you don't believe he died or rose again. You're face to face with him. What is that? That foundation is destroyed. It's like having this beautiful skyscraper. I'm thinking about the one in Dubai. It's got every gadget, fire extinguishers, safety features, medical facilities to treat any disease, earthquakes, terrorist attacks. But then, what happens? The foundation. Becomes nothing. And the whole building just comes collapsing down. And the psalmist says that is a great disaster. Your whole life's work comes to nothing. And in verse 6, the psalmist actually makes it even worse. He says, the way of the wicked will perish. Now perishing is getting what you've been asking for. What have you been asking for? Well, Jesus, stay away. Leave me alone. And so what does Jesus say? Is that really what you want? I will respect your wishes and I will give you what you have been asking for all your life. I will leave you alone. I will forsake you. God forsakenness is a picture of hell. What good is it for you to gain the whole world? To look like you are blessed. But at the end you are God forsaken. We have just come through Easter, we remember Jesus' death and resurrection, his death in our place. He was God forsaken in our place, so that we don't have to. The way of the wicked, the last word that Jesus will speak to the way, the man who follows the way of the wicked is away from me, you evil doer. I never knew you. What a disaster. The way of the wicked. What a disaster. But in contrast, this picture of the way of the blessed, or the way of the righteous, the blessed life, is completely different. The Christian life is one of a tree. Have a look there in verse 3. It's actually a tree that has been taken from one place and planted in another place. It's a transplanted tree. It's a picture of one where you were dead, And you were transplanted next to the streams of living water and you have life. Isn't that a picture of being born again or being converted? So this tree is a transplanted tree. It's, It's planted at a stream of living water where it gets the perfect food. Roots are deeply nourished. It's stable. It's secure. It eats the food it gets. Is the law of the Lord, the Bible, exactly what we need. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to convert us, to grow us. We delight in it because that is exactly what it does. We meditate on it so that when the pressure comes, we can stand. We can produce the fruit in its season. Yet Christ has made and we are called the redeemed family of servants on mission. We are this amazing family because we are rooted in God's word. It starts there. It starts with redemption, what Jesus did for us. And it takes us all the way through to loving him, from loving him to loving our neighbors. The fruit we bear is in season. And will you notice, when the pressure comes, the leaves does not wither. So, the way, at uh, the verse, the way of the righteous is described as prospering. It does exactly what God intended it to do. Now it's not perfection, but it is that swimming upstream against the current that we have been called for. It's that saying no to the pressure. The blessed life is a life where you are, verse 6, known by God before the creation of the world. You are known by God today as you walk He provides the food you need. And it's a knowing or God knowing you for all eternity, which is heaven. The key to Psalm 1 is what do you do with Jesus and his word? Will his last word to you be? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come into the garden or come into heaven, the city. Or will his words be to you, his last words to be to you, away from me, you evil doer? Today is the right day. It's a good day to look at someone, to delight in someone, to ask God to bless you so that you may hear those words one day from him. Well done my good and faithful son. So today, as you go out into this world, you might build your life, your foundation on Jesus and his word and be blessed. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you that we have your word. Thank you that we can delight in your word day and night, that we can feed on it that it provides us this food we need every day to be converted, firstly, Lord, but also to grow in repentance and faith every day as we follow you. Father, please really help us to see what real blessing is. And today, Lord, I pray for those who do not know what blessing is. They do not know, it. those who do not know your blessing. I pray that you'll help them to see this amazing salvation, this amazing transplantation that you want to do with them from the way of the wicked into the streams of living water where they are truly blessed. I pray Lord that through your Holy Spirit you will open their eyes and help them to see. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning. Um, Next week, um, David Koberi will open Psalm 42 and 43 for us. As Martin said, let's keep delighting and reading John's gospel as we um, seek to be blessed.